0: good little uh bit of shuffling noise there when, oh when
1: it picked up really oh cuz i'm probably was that i think i went... huh.
0: it was like okay hmm. get it, get in position jeff strap in and
1: i i have straf... for, for drug Strap <laughs> in for drock yeah that's that's a good little way to phrase it yeah oh that's what we should do we should have an anniversary issue where tharg introduces the episode
0: and it's just like the the echo effects they do
1: in the thrill cast? Yes, exactly. Yep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Wait,
1: does he sound like that? Because you kind of make him sound like a bit of a yokel. I, I, sense. Was say, I thought wasn't intentional. And then,
0: <laughs> I, as I got his first thong, I was like, what, what is happening? You
1: kind of sounded like yeah. Goofy from as Di- goofy as Tharg. It's like, oh, gosh. Real I power watch. overload.
0: So <laughs> if you're out there, I hope I hope you uh, do not strike me down with some some thrill suckers. <laughs> <laughs> Episode 29 of Drock, the monthly, forever ongoing podcast where myself and my esteemed co host, Jeff Lester. Hello, everyone. I'm throwing this in just to throw Jeff off. I'm Graham McMillan. I should have said that as well. Anyway, we're going through the uh, Judge Drag Complete case files. Volume by volume, recording the history of Mega City One's greatest lawman. Uh, We've reached 1997 with this episode and Case Files 26, which covers 2008 Progs 1029 through 1052 and Magazine Volume 3, Issues 19 through 33. I should also interrupt myself to say that we're coming from John M. Block this time. Nice. It is, as I think all of the volumes that we've been doing for the last while, a bit of a mixed bag. I, not for the first time, really liked the 2000 AD episodes, mm-hmm. and found the magazine ones a bit harder to deal with, mm. um, for both practical reasons and also story reasons.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but I also want to say that the 2000 AD stories, in particular sort of the extended storyline that runs through the majority of it,
1: mm-hmm.
0: oddly made me reconsider my entire approach to Dread as a strip. Really? Yeah. So uh, almost everything in the 2008 issues is written by John Wagner. There's one Mark Miller story to start off, just as a palate cleanser to get ready. <laughs> like, if it gives you some fit, then everything that follows will be much better. Indeed. Uh, but, you know, of the, I, I think it's like 11 storylines from 2008 eighty, mm-hmm. so all but four of them are one extended story. That's right. Which is Dread and some cadets and DeMarco in the Cursed Earth looking for the the air sharks mm-hmm. that attacked mexico in the last volume
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it's positioned as basically a hot dog run which mm-hmm. we've seen before especially the hunting party that the one-off that starts this mm-hmm. there's something about the structure of that and the fact that they're just matter of fact going like it's a hot dog run let we know what this is let's go
1: mm-hmm.
0: We go oh of course the stories repeat themselves in dread right like it's procedural. Uh It's a procedural that doesn't really focus a lot on the procedure. Mm. It's a procedural that has a lot of novelty. Mm. You know, you just think of the Mega Epics alone. Uh There is always a new threat, Uh right? Uh Or when recurring villains come back, it feels almost like a superhero comic because you're used to that model of this is what happens with recurring villains. But... Seeing things like the hot dog run recur, or when Dread is watching a rookie to see how they, if whether or not they should be on the streets, right, or or various recurring stories or or, or plots or or even just concepts that you get across the you know forty years of Dread at this point,
1: mm-hmm.
0: of course they're going to recur. Mm-hmm. Of course you're going to get those things happening more than once because it's his job. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like. Of course he's going to do a more than one hot dog run because that's part of the job of being a judge. Mm-hmm. And in thinking of it like that, I went from, oh, Wagner's doing another hot dog run
1: mm-hmm.
0: to, sure, like that's the job. That, that's what he does.
1: You know, it's interesting because I both simultaneously agree and disagree. Get to the disagreeing part. That's the... the more Right. The disagreeing part to me is that um, what I would, will call the hunting party is the overall arc for their, their hot dog run slash cursed earth thing is, um, I, how do I put it? What's funny to me is, is that because this one was done in more of the, the mega prog style, like we've had multiple hot dog run stories throughout Dread. Usually they only run for, you know, a segment or two. And this one, of course, was a much larger storyline. And I think the thing that is weird about it is, for me, is um, it's Wagner in very much his current status as as Dread writer, which is he's done a lot of stuff before, he's playing stuff forward, and he's also more or less in a different place with where Dread is. So the weird part is, if you took a hot dog story, cross it with the Cursed Earth, and then throw in a little bit of the character soap opera dynamics of the pit, you know you kind of have a um something that is i think reconfigured and different from the other uh, mm-hmm. hot dog run stories sure yes yeah and i think one of the things that is interesting to me about the the hunting party arc is how much it simultaneously it it feels how do i put it quote unquote new for dread you know what I mean? Like, sure, it's, yeah. it's honestly, it's a combination of several different pieces, none of which really are that new. Um, but by kind of slapping the three things together, it kind of has, you know, it's kind of like three different forms of comfort food at once. You know what I mean? Like,
0: yeah. And I, and I think that that speaks, like I said, like, sorry, like you said, uh, it speaks to where Wagner is as a writer. Yeah. You know that it's good enough to do a hot dog run that he does want to have more I mean it's character development but it's not character development because mm-hmm. the character development of the 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 rookies of the mm-hmm. cadets in, in the hunting party arc is not a million miles away from the character development in like the judge child
1: mm-hmm.
0: of the other judges on board justice one.
1: Oh. Eh, uh, I mean uh, I w- I Feel in, in like what way is it in what way is it more well um i I feel that for example, the judge child stuff has amazing stuff like the the dude who who dread doesn't like his mustache and more or less keeps like giving him crap about the mustache and then more or less like has him like <laughs> signed up to be psychically hollowed out um to me uh the hunting party is closer to the pit. Because you've got like the fuck up who ju- who dread you know may or may not refer to someone else. There's Bodine who's got problems. Like how do I put it? Like there was always as much characterization as Wagner and or. Wagner and Grant needed to more or less carry the scene and or create the effect that they needed. So if somebody was going to die off, they would suddenly have a little bit of character and some stuff, and then they would get mulched. But I think that by the time that you get to the end of the hunting party arc, everyone has kind of done something like he's introduced the four different Uh, characters and admittedly like Washington and Stark are both um, don't really have any arc like Washington walks in and seems great and he's great at the end he
0: gives personality to two of them yeah you know, and he also uses DeMarco without actually using DeMarco. No,
1: exactly. DeMarco is, is such a, a non-entity in a way, which is kind of a bummer. And in fact, there's one point when Dredd says something like, so, you know, how you liking it so far, DeMarco? And she's like, well, it's always interesting when, you know, like you always, you always manage to keep things interesting, Dredd. What's not to like? And I was kind of like, that's not, you know what I mean? I was kind of like, that could be anyone.
0: Yeah, you know. and, and honestly, it could be anyone because Demarco is, for all intents and purposes, written out of the the storyline midway through. Yeah, without doing anything, it felt very much like he bring. He was like, "Oh, I really like Demarco in the pit. Mm-hmm. I want to do something else with Demarco." Brought her into the story. Yeah, and then it's like there's nothing for her to do. Yeah, because to my to my mind, Dread gets Dread. I was going to say gets characterization. Dread is Dread. Right. Right. And then you have you have two of the rookies have
1: characterization, and that's it. The other two don't. Yeah, I, I, honestly, th- it's, it's actually, I think Judge Child is a great comparison to it, because this honestly feels like, at the start of it, Wagner's like, I'm going to do a big-ass thing, which is, I'm going to do the pit, but I'm also going to do the cursed earth and I'm going to take all these secondary characters and they're going to ha- have all this stuff happen. Plus I've got this big weird semi mystery about the sky sharks and that's going to tie into something really cool. And then by the end, he's like, I, I just can't be bothered. You know, like it really, that, that part where he's like, okay, Nobody can, you know, we can't leave the kids from Camp Demento on their own. Half of us stay here and the other half go to the showdown. I'm like, oh, that, that, everything about that was just, yeah, I, you know,
0: it felt he was bailing. Yeah, LQ's... you
1: could feel the tourniquet being applied. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You and, know, it, but yep. it,
0: it's funny you say that because when the story starts in the hunting party, i didn't realize it was going to be as long as it is mm. you know by the time you get the very second episode by the time you, you know because the hunting is a one-off and then you get to lost in americana next mm-hmm. and lost americana really does feel like a cursed earth story mm-hmm. like incredibly by which i mean from the, the mega epic cursed earth not just a story set in the absolutely
1: absolutely
0: yeah because you have like you know Here's Uncle Sam, and here's mm-hmm. the most American clown, and they go on, but something's a bit weird, and there is something, you know, early episodes of Star Trek about it, mm-hmm. with with a, you know, 2000 AD twist, they're cannibals. But, but you know, the you think it's one thing, but really it's another element to it feels very like the cursed earth, you know, 20 odd years ago.
1: Oh, agreed. Agreed. Which, agreed.
0: Yeah. Which is, which is crazy. But it's that story where I was like, Oh, so this is the framework for him telling other stories outside Mega City One, right? But, but with within the hunting party itself, I honestly expected it to be: we're going out in the hot dark run, we're going to find the Sky Sharks pretty soon, right. and that was not the case.
1: Well, the thing and the thing. So to to follow up on your point, I also feel Fog on the Eerie, which immediately follows Lost in Americana, because it has so much to do with. The nuclear war that destroyed America and the president that instilled it, you know, which was a big element of the cursed earth as well, you know, which then took an awesome, ridiculous turn because the president was also a vampire by the time they find him, which is just, oh, no, the vampire robots that were, it was all, it was all glorious. Um, Yeah, I almost feel like there was a point where like Wagner was like, yeah, I'm going to redo the cursed earth and I'm going to redo it sort of for a quote unquote modern sensibility. And then I feel like he just got burnt on it. And, and I mean, the thing that is weird to me is you've got, if you, for me, as much as I was reading through it and I'm like, Oh, this works, you know, it's Wagner, it's the cursed earth, it's self-contained stories. It's, you know, it leans heavy into Judge Dad, which I'm always pretty fond of, you know. Like, all of that stuff should work. But as I thought about it, I'm like, if it's really important that that Mega City 1 is being invaded by Sky Sharks and they're tearing people apart, if it's important enough to go do it, why would you send a bunch of novices and just two judges for it, you know? Like, it was kind of one of those weird, like, oh, the premise kind of doesn't work. Like, it only works if it's supposed to be kind of a routine mission that goes wrong, kind of. But it's kind mm-hmm. of... Otherwise, it just seems very strangely like, yes, this is the biggest threat we're facing, which is why we're going to give you a bunch of, you know, green cadets, half of whom we're thinking of kicking out of the Academy. Go to it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's that's no... A, it's not
0: just It's not just regular cadets. Mm-hmm.
1: Right, and that's the other thing, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's
0: the case, you know, uh, Volt says, you know, you get to to blood some cadets, and you get two cadets who were, you know, reasonable. The ones who notably don't get the stories. Mm -hmm. And then you get two problem cadets who, as you say, they're ready to kick out the academy. Yeah. They're like, yeah, these two are fuck-ups. But we're sending them this very important mission. And for that matter, DeMarco being assigned. Right. Right. It's also so random as well, because DeMarco's in the pit, which is in theory a shithole of a, of a, right. a
1: sector house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, it's it, it, very much one of those don't ask, just
1: buy it moments. Oh, very much so. And there's oh, a lot like, of those in this story. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So aside from the, the fuck-ups of the rookies, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and the, the structure of the story, did you like... The sort the, the hunting party sort of extended arc. Well,
1: I I started off by loving it. Like the hunting party is a really great intro, and Lost in Americana, like you said, is classic two thousand A.D. and very much had the um. You know, it 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 was all super, it was all super good. Like I don't know how to describe it other than. Um, you know how sometimes you like you go out and you get fast food, and like maybe you order too much of it, and the first couple of things you have are great, but then I don't know as the food sort of starts to get colder, you're kind of like diminishing returns. All of which is to say, like hunting party, great, Lost in Americana, really strong, Fog on the Erie, I thought was kind of a waste of space and that the artist really blew the opportunity to show the like chose the least interesting way to present essentially the destruction of western civilization <laughs>
0: it's the art is really disappointing for that isn't it yeah yeah
1: it really was it's
0: surprisingly uh I, i'm trying to think of a good way of saying sort of undynamic and mm-hmm. overly bitty mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It feels really flat.
1: Yeah, I. it struck me as the the Callum Alexander Watt, uh, who was doing the work, struck me as a guy who really had um, won people over with his uh, faces and his his body language is all great, but he doesn't he started off as largely a realistic author or artist. And so as the story goes on, you kind of get, it's supposed to grow. I mean, the the denouement is literally dread and everyone rushing to get out before the bombs land and destroy everything. And you have a, a two page sequence, which is the end of everything. And, it's just a bunch of people flying through the air. You know what I mean? Like it's very it, it is mm-hmm.
0: amazing how unprepared he seems to be yeah. to depict the climactic event that for four episodes it has clearly been building to, yeah. which is to say a nuclear apocalypse that, for all intents and purposes, decimates America.
1: Yeah. Right. No, so he
0: his his splash page of you know. Random people being thrown away from the center of the page with a couple of cars and a big sound effect, yeah, it does not feel like a nuclear explosion it's It's so strange, but I mean, even before that, when you've got the the judges being you know pulled into the 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 vortex in the water mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. like it's it's shockingly undynamic, yeah,
1: yeah, very much so, so I I have to say, I've never seen someone really quite whiff the apocalypse so badly, Um, which I think ends up leaving kind of uh, reinforces a little bit of the what was the point of that story, which, I mean, honestly, I think the story was just kind of like, you know, there's Wagner kind of doing a A riff on here's a way to bring back some of the other elements we talked about in the cursed earth. That the cursed earth is storylines, you know. That there's an argument to be made that they should be tied to the idea of like, oh, you know, this is destroyed America, and we have we have to keep that in mind, right? Dance of the mm yep. Sorry, I was going to say there's also cursed earth. Of course, was written by
0: Pat Mills, Mm -hmm. right? And you have Wagner revisiting, you know, as we said. Uh, you know, Lost in Americana feels like a cursor story and, and Fog and Erie revisits the Booth presidency. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Both of which are what, like Mills ideas for one of a better way of putting it. Yeah. That it feels like Wagner's reclaiming it here.
1: Yeah. I, I, I would, I would say that the majority of the stories in that sense. Yeah. Lost in Americana, Fog on the Erie, Camp Demento and or Dance of the Spider Queen all feel very strongly from a Wagner writing stories that either he or Mills could have cooked up back back in the early days. And Dance of the Spider Queen is another one where I'm sort of, um again, it ends up being kind of crazily underwhelming, right? You know, you get a sequence where... Dread and the crew um, go through a dire, creepy world of spiders and they get befriended by spider villagers. And because half of them are sick with uh, a horrible plague that they picked up from the infected waters of Lake Erie, um, you know, it's they're brought in. But then there's the beautiful sacrificial maiden that the headstrong, you know, judge, the cadet is like hot for and the forbidden love. And of course she's going to be sacrificed and he refuses to like you, you mentioned early Star Trek and there's a lot of that too. There's a, there's a lot of dance of the spider queen feels also feels a lot like a Star Trek original episode, you know? Right. Yeah. And with the exception of, Essentially, at at the end of it, after they end up killing off the village protectors, the villagers are like, you suck. We're very unhappy with you. And Dred's like, well, it can't be helped. And they're like, we want you to leave immediately. You've been bad guests. And he's, like, and he's okay. like, okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, what? And then, of course, there's the little bit of the look, look what's going to happen to the woman that you thought you were saving. Now she's just going to die in an even worse way. That seems more dull, way more dull. This is so boring, and now the story's over. You know what I mean? Like, sort of weirdly, um, it just a lot. Uh, the the idea of telling this big overarching story um, to me was great, and I and the character dynamics and and Wagner's an entertaining writer, and and the art comes and sort of goes. I actually really liked. Um, the the work done in Camp Demento. At first, I was like, "Oh, this is going to be terrible." And I was like, I, "No, I hate it's okay."
0: Captain, the Camp Demento, art a yeah, lot. I, I really, can imagine. Really mm mm-hmm. Um, like Henry Flint stuff is great. Trevor Hirsine is again is, is also you know close to my interests. Like Jason Brussel is is so cartoonish. Mm-hmm. It, it, like someone went, "What if Simon Bisley, but also Sonic the Hedgehog?" Yeah, yeah, which and I, yeah, it's just it's not my my bag daddy-o and then uh shark country the art is
1: just terrible it's terrible and that's the problem we get into this amazing sort of like okay so here are your sort of three appetizers finally we get to the main course and it's like each one of the appetizers have been eh. now i think i've told you like the the sky sharks creep me out to varying degrees. They really, no one's ever going to beat Carlos Esqueras design for me, which I just like really worked it, fell into that uncanny valley of of creepiness. I know everyone else hated that. Um, And then the next time they pop up by Henry Flint, they're still pretty badass, but the choices made here by David Bertram to, I don't know, kind of make them look like lipsticked members of the brood, like I don't know, it just so didn't work. Like the the all of a sudden I'm like, ah, so he's fighting big dragons. It doesn't matter. And then by the time that Flint comes in to kind of be like, No, 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 here we go. Here here they're really gonna f- f- you know, creep you out and fuck things up, I'm like if you, know, you like say I, I so don't,
0: I yeah, I don't yeah.
1: believe you anymore. I've I've seen them in the last story Exactly. He,
0: but even more than the sharks, like David Bircham and Shark Country's judges, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like his dread in particular mm-hmm. is again so cartoonish to be and so off model, yeah. That it it feels, I mean, grotesque. But it feels like a Pander Brothers strip.
1: Oh yeah, that's actually a good point. Yeah, some of the parts of dread where it sort of feels like he is. If you're being charitable, riffing off a post-Stalone dread. Um, yeah. But yeah, the Panda Brothers is actually a really good call because there is, there is a certain je ne sais, comico, comico, um feel to the art. And I, I, honestly, it's, it it reminds me of the stuff like I'm like... Every time I used to pick up, like, an issue of, like, Death's Head and opened it, I always felt like this is what <laughs> greeted me inside, you know? Wow, I feel
0: weirdly insulting. I,
1: f- I knew, I knew that those were fighting words, but I felt they had to be said. So, <laughs> no, but it's true. The, the art in, in this cycle
0: of stories is is as variable as the, the writing, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And, and again, like I said, Wagner is completely professional and has a a level of quality that he never dips under yes right yeah even when you're doing something that is not my thing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's still completely readable and he still lands the the you know the cliffhanger for that issue but it's it's a uh it is a uh a cycle that's all over the place
1: yeah it really is which is so by the time you get to trail of the man eaters the big um, the big quote unquote finale it kind of feels like um it all f- kind of feels like an afterthought. like you literally ha introduced are introduced to Dr. Bolt, which I think is a lovely bit of cartooning from Henry Flint by yes. giving c- capturing the idea of a bored, laconic professional robot whose job just happens to be mad scientist, you know, like his, his, so much is conveyed in that character from the way that he looks, but that's kind of all you get from it. You know what I mean? Like there's just the big wrap up. One of the things that I think is fascinating, and I really don't know if this is how little Wagner was paying attention, but you know, one of the things that's kind of insane and great is we first see the sky sharks off planet uh during uh the hysteria storyline i don't have that. i always get that name wrong Wilderlands, yeah the Wilderlands storyline in which magruder is ostensibly taking dread to titan but instead goes you know takes a detour over to a colony planet for a variety of reasons in theory to sell them on the 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 robot judge technology that she's desperately trying to to you know make a thing and here we find that Dr. Bolt who is a robot scientist was essentially experimenting on the sky sharks the sky and as was basically one of Magruder's little Black Ops, the same way that Mechanismo was. That this was, uh, you know, hidden budget where she was developing things. And I do think that there is something that would be... I'd like the idea of that a lot. The idea that Magruder in her final days is more or less throw, in her paranoia throwing so much money into crazy ideas and that these things will later go on to hunt, uh, haunt... Uh, Mega City 1 and Dread is is kind of a great idea. But I think at one point Bolt even says like, you know, so for me, I'm like, oh, great. So this also concludes part of the puzzle of like how the Sky Sharks came from off world to Earth is clearly Magruder had them smuggled back because she <laughs> saw the possibilities and then got them up, op- you know, operated on. But No.
0: Like that's yeah exactly, but then they go back in that, which is kind of amazing.
1: Yeah, right. Like, why did like you have a perfectly good plot hole to sew, sew it up in a way that makes sense, and then you're like, oh no 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 no, Magruder gave this to me, but they'd already come to Earth somehow, and I was like, wait, what are you? It's practically Chris Claremont-esque in its levels of like, oh, oh, wait, wait, maybe I've got another bad guy behind this that I need to introduce at some point, maybe. It's Mr. Sinister.
0: Yeah, it it is genuinely, you know, inexplicable that they build the framework for Magruder saw them on the alien planet and then brought them back. And that might have been the plan, except for the fact that there was no time for that because Magruder resigns as soon as she gets back from the alien planet, remember? Right.
1: Oh, I see. Okay. So, yeah. So, it so, must so have been a thing. it might have
0: been that that was his plan and then he went, mm, wait. Or even editorial were like, yeah, that doesn't work. Right. But it then also brings in the – okay, Magruder was unconscious for most of Wilderlands. hmm But no one told her? Right. Oh, guys, it's not like she'll be like, oh, that's just like the things I'm, I'm, you know, I'm experimenting on back in Earth. But still, it's a weird, it's a weird thing to bring in and not close that loop on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Especially to underscore it and then not close the loop. Like, it's weird. It was weird, my feelings of, aha, wait, what? You know, so, yeah, that really was like, I almost wish they had gone an entirely different direction with that and save the idea that Magruder was doing weirdo experiments that will fuck people up later. But uh, yeah. So by the time I get to the end of it, I was just, uh, I was, I was very underwhelmed again. It felt like the fast food had gone cold and I was really aware that the French fries were just kind of grease and salt and, and, and really cold, not especially good potatoes. You know what I mean?
0: To continue your analogy.
1: Mm-hmm. My
0: fast food went cold, maybe the, the you know, shark country. And then by the time we got to the final story, by the time we got to, to Trail of the Maneaters, mm-hmm. I reheated it and I was back into it again. Okay.
1: I kind of thought that that might be the case for you since you are – um, I think you're more of a fan of Henry Flint's art at yeah, this stage of things than I am. So – it was fine, but it didn't really do it for me. And by that point, the um, I should have jumped back to the previous volume and looked at it, and I did not. But a lot of the the Sharks in Shark Country under Flint's work, oh, sorry, Trail of the Maneaters, are very um, static. They're, they just kind of seem to be floating there. You know, there's yeah, not nearly that same he, sense of movement. It doesn't have an
0: incredibly dynamic and and usually for Flint, I think.
1: I think mm-hmm. Flint normally has has very
0: dynamic artwork. Right. But when you see the sharks, they are. They're floating. Yeah, They're not in motion. Mm-hmm. And and it's weird when you see them, you know, uh there's a page where uh Dredd and I think it's Stark are shooting mm-hmm. and uh, the sharks And then you see a shark attack. The last rookie whose name I can't remember. And the judges shooting and the shots have movement and are dynamic.
1: Yes. And then
0: the sharks don't. And it's the same page. Yeah. Yeah. Right? At that point, it has to be a choice. Yeah. But what an odd
1: choice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, my theory, although I could be wrong, is... I'm going to assume that, as is the case with every mega prog or mega epic that they start, they start off either ahead of the game and they finish it desperately behind and struggling to, 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 you know, stay on schedule. Because that very last installment has so much white space background, you know, like essentially no backgrounds at all. Like everything's yes. happening in the foreground and anything beyond that just is all white. And I think that leads to that feeling of, you know, although e- even where you've got that scene where they're looking in the lab and the lab surrounded by sky sharks, like it just kind of looks like the world's most grotesque, you know, mobile, I guess, rather than any sort of yeah, feeling. Yeah, they,
0: they do. They all just seem to be floating there, which again, it's weird and unlike, yeah. not only influence other arts but influence other arts in this issue in this story yeah
1: very much so very much so so yeah i don't i don't know quite how it ended up going wrong but i can see why it would work for you but it, by the end of it i was just like meh i mean and i don't know like kind of like fast food like depending on how it is like you know, um, uh, unless you find a finger in it, like you kind of don't, you kind of just blame yourself. You know what I mean? It's like, well, I should have stopped after just one uh, quarter pounder with cheese. You know, I should have had three. And... So should you have stopped, or should Wagner have stopped? Uh, right, uh, right. There's an right. element of this
0: that is outside of your control.
1: Well, right. And I mean, the thing is, is I we're. I mean, in theory, both elements are outside of our control. Like I'm reading this for a podcast, so it's not like I. Yeah, but you could have stopped for the evening. For well, I could have stopped for yeah, right. Or I could have maybe I, if I read them I over the
0: course. Who didn't read this all the way through. Hmm.
1: Hmm. And I'm wondering if that also changed my 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 attitude for it. Well, you know, honestly, it would not surprise me if a either a that helped you. It I definitely tackled this over the course of about three or four nights. Although I think I did read the hot dog run story all in a go because I'm like, oh, this is going to be great, and I could see where throwing in like maybe a day or two you know, I mean, say nothing of weekly for each segment, the way it came out, but, but even a day in between each of the sub arcs in it, maybe that would have helped my feeling with it. But instead, and who knows, maybe part of it is because I felt like, oh boy, this is going to be the pit, but in the cursed earth, how awesome is that going to be? You know, and that's, Unrealistic expectations. Whatever else it is, it it is. It's not at that level of that. It's very much more a fun trifle. But, you know, well, it... I mean, you know what it is, right? It's Wilderlands again. Yeah,
0: right. It's a more focused Wilderlands, perhaps, because there's no, you know. And then this character goes off and has their own adventure. Mm-hmm. But it is essentially Wilderlands mm-hmm. to the point of it is right outside of Mega City One and he is on a quest to for survival slash to find a mystery, the solution to a mystery. Right. You know?
1: Mm, that's actually a really good comparison. I hadn't thought of it, which is ironic, considering Skyshark's play into both. Um, and, of course, I liked it better in Wilderlands, uh, which is kind of funny, um, since you pointed out. You know, that had more... Uh,
0: no, when Wilderlands had Iscara.
1: Mm-hmm. Right, which is huge.
0: Although I, you know, so I'm curious. Why don't you like Flint? Um, I don't think I don't think that you necessarily dislike him. But what is, you know, for me, I like him because Flint, even at this stage of his stuff, where he's doing really, honestly, sort of light coloring mm-hmm. that that feels, to my eyes, uh, too light for his line work. Mm-hmm. Um, I see him as being firmly in the same. Mold as McMahon, uh, as Kennedy, as a mm-hmm. scare. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I feel there's a lineage there that he's he's definitely fitting into. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I I I
1: love his dread. Mm-hmm. Yes, his, his dread is fabulous. His he's definitely good. Good.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, and you know, Sky Sharks aside, I do feel that he is is very good with dynamism and is very good with with putting with making a page move.
1: Yes. Yeah. You know, oh, and, absolutely. And I, especially
0: mm-hmm. in contrast to, you know, you know, David Bertram or 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 Jason Brassell even. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I I feel that Flint manages to have dynamic pages that also get over the information
1: successfully. Yes. Yeah. 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 No. Agreed. I I think and and I think Flint is actually one of those dudes who. Um, manages to strike an amazingly good balance between um, because he's got like the the guy's pages look pretty heavy you know what I mean like he's usually working off of um, like a four tier grid and then you know like bopping the number of panels around on that grid but you know it's it's kind. it's not surprising when you're looking at stuff and there's like seven or nine panels on there and it doesn't it doesn't look cramped. Um, you know, he's got what I think of as truly that classic page design sense that a, a lot of the best 2000 AD artists did and had. Yeah. You know that I, a... feel,
0: I feel that like he very firmly fits into that. He feels yeah.
1: like a 2000 AD artist.
0: Absolutely,
1: no, very much so, and 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 a classic one. It's just, you know, I think it's a bummer, and who knows what the factor is, but I would say I think his art on Invasion of the Spider Queen or whatever the hell it is called, uh, Kiss of the Spider Queen, was much. better better than the art dance of the spider queen was much better than the art he did on trail of the man eaters and again it's not i think i don't god only knows what what the where and the why force of it i just i part, mean, it literally could be dead you know yeah, you look at exactly
0: spider queen pages versus the the uh the finale story that i've already forgotten the name of um right. trail of the man eaters but mm-hmm. it's you know it's so much busier yeah like dance of the spider queen is fucking packed in yeah. terms of information mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know the, the backgrounds in that are are really genuinely packed and honestly the backgrounds of the first installment of trailer managers are packed in a way that by the time you get to the final chapter yeah. as you said there's so much white space there's so much
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know emptiness and, and so much feeling like he he is just filling things in with a color wash Yeah. to like give some idea of of uh, surroundings, but he's just trying to get it done as quickly as possible.
1: Very much so. Very much so. There's kind of that classic Marvel comics trick of using sort of very vari- variations on two tone colors to create a sense of depth there, mm-hmm. and which makes sense because I think that Flint, among other things, by the time you get to Trail of the Man Eaters, he's got a really light line weight and um, he he he's very he's dynamic with his blacks but he doesn't sometimes you run that risk kind of like with the Linier Claire people of having everything flatten out into one dimension and so in a way the fact that he did a lot of like I'm going to do whites and light blues as a way of creating a sense of depth without i think he was thinking like without making it look as heavy-handed as you sometimes see uh when people are doing that um you know it just it, it just it just didn't come off and again part of it is like uh, you know that by the time you get to the end of the sky Sharks story if the sky sharks had been truly terrifying and moving and dynamic then it would have helped A lot, but I'm not sure it would have necessarily saved it. Because like I said, by the time you get to it, and I think that is the one thing that sort of bothers me on the heels of the pit, uh, is this is is just a really low stakes kind of storyline. Ultimately, there's no... It's like, go and get the job done and that's fine. But there's the number of times where Wagner has made that into something bigger or fleshed it out. You know, where the adventure sort of starts feeling bigger as it feels lived in. This definitely has really a small feel to it. And frankly, I mean, you know, in a comfort food kind of way, Dance of the Spider Queen is fine, but it's also entirely like the only way Wagner can dodge cliche is to make it more boring than you're used to seeing it. You know what I mean?
0: <laughs> the weird thing is also dance the Spider Queen and the the idea of, of the judge who's like, Oh, like she's really odd, I'm going to completely destroy their their way of life because I'm I'm in love with her. Yeah. Not only is the I'm in love with her, therefore I'm going to ruin everything out of nowhere. hmm Like it goes from, you know, she's hot to I am in love with her, therefore I will, you know, absolutely fuck everything up. Right. But also it's so even with the idea that that Stark is a fuck up of a rookie. Yeah. And or that he has been undercover for so long. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, has been undercover for so long. Um it doesn't make any sense mm-hmm. that he would see someone who he thinks is pretty and completely go native like that. Right. Like right. that's I, I, I'm
1: re- reading that. I remember thinking like what the living shit right well and so i think also and this is where i kind of think that to me um dance of the spider queen really points to around the point where wagner had given up because you have essentially you've got a judge and again his name is what's his name Gurkha or genka just because i think starts the the brits it. It starts to visit talking. one. Yeah, yeah, and this guy Renga. is the undercover guy with the scars. Right. Who's? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Renga. Renga. Or, yeah. It is. It would be. It would be. It would almost make sense in the way of here's Renga having a relationship or developing a relationship with this girl, and and having feelings. And, of course, being kind of a little bit of the, you know, as a guy who'd gone undercover with gangs, had, you know, basically um, had some impulse control problems. Like, you've got Dredd and DeMarco in there. And Dredd and DeMarco are up. Perfect scale to have a dread being like a stay uninvolved. This is why judges aren't supposed to have feelings. And DeMarco being like, "Look, there's got to be a place for love and compassion." And then having that sort of more or less be proven wrong and be a horrible tragedy. Like it's it's weird. It's like all the framework is there, and then you just it never gets developed like i i feel like when you when i was reading dance of the spider queen i'm like oh okay this is why demarco's in this story you know what i mean like I, i
0: know where this is going because demarco
1: is renga right exactly you know and then instead they just go with an entirely different direction and again more dull but but also again like all of it's kind of particularly that story was was pastiche enough like it just it just didn't age well you know what i mean like i'm like that was kind of a waste uh in that sense and so so i really do feel that you know flint is not the the true subject of my ire It's just by the time i got to the end of it i don't think anyone could save this because i felt like I felt like either somebody's passion was not in it or, or lost it, or maybe they set everything up in place where Wagner's like, yeah, I'm really going to go to town with this. And then being like, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to bother. Like, you know, kind of like, I don't, it's yeah. I'm going to go back to hot dog run, sky sharks, cadets. It's, You know, and and in that sense, it's like, sure, it's a pleasant enough way. I mean, and this is sort of the weird part about reading the case files with you is after going through that incredibly rocky patch where there were so many really just near abysmal level dread stories, like the quality on the last two volumes has been very high. And yet... I find myself occasionally just sort of super indifferent. You know, this is followed up by, um, you know, I like Greg Staples' dread a lot, you know, or I've learned to really appreciate it. And So I think the art on Mad City, which is the storyline immediately following um, this mega arc, is really... Lovely, But it also feels like Wagner doing a lot for a little, you know, like it just really felt like, oh, he's I've you know, you've seen Wagner do this before. It's a it's his farcical story of a bunch of loons and the way they all cross paths and you could never see it coming. But oh oh boy, is there going to be some um, accidental carnage? And I was like, sure, okay. Like, wow, I really like how Greg Staples draws a stimpy cod piece, you know. So, or or his close-ups of Dread, like he catches old Dread in a good way.
0: He does a really good old Dread, doesn't he? He really does. Like, one, one of the things I really like about Staples, um, in in particular, like, his, his line work, his ink work. Because mm. I coming into two thousand eighty again the way I did, like, I'm familiar with Staples' more recent work, which is fully painted and mm. photorealistic. Mm. Wow. Right? So seeing mm-hmm. this kind of Staples,
1: mm-hmm. I'm like,
0: oh, shit, I really like this. And I do like his dried because his dread looks like an old man. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's great. I really... J- it, there's bits of John Hickleton in there, almost.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: that I, I really fucking dig. But it's... The story is just... It's it's just kind of there. It's it's cute enough. Mm-hmm. But it's also how did it manage to last so many chapters? Right. And also for that What is with the the Chris Evans joke? That's Chris Evans' British television host as opposed to Chris Evans Marvel uh actor. Thank you. Chris Evans is is Fritz Shakespeare. Mm. Fritz Shakespeare. Is clearly Chris Evans, the British TV show host, who at this point was remarkably popular, was like really, really big. But like, is it he's he literally just there because he was really popular at the time, or is there something else there? It's just I don't know. I found it a weirdly distracting story. It mm-hmm. was a diversion, but coming on the heels of of you know the the extended you know the hunting party arc, right.
1: Well, especially throwaway well and i will say that the hunting party arc as much as i complain about it being underwhelming at least it didn't track you know whereas um it's it's usually incredibly rare i think for Wagner stuff to feel bloated but mad city really does kind of do that doesn't it it really felt like it might – I don't even know if it's three parts. I think it might only be two, and it still no, feels – I think it's three. Is it three? Okay, I think, I think yeah.
0: it's three chapters. Yeah, it is. It's three chapters,
1: mm.
0: and it feels like, honestly, there's enough stuff there for maybe for two. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. But even then, it's it, it's it feels very much like a Shaggy Dog story that got away from everyone, but also everyone likes Greg Staple's art, so they're okay with it.
1: Yeah, totally. Totally.
0: Right? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, which, again, I like Greg Staples' art. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So, so, right. Sure. So, I, I, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And there are, you know, there are characters
1: here that, that will return. Mm-hmm. Mm hmm. Like,
0: Ula comes
1: back. Thank goodness. It makes sense because she was such a, it was such a weird, like, oh, she's just going to walk off. Like, weirdly. She's going to walk off and keep killing people and getting away with it. Yeah, you know, like, exactly. You know,
0: Ula's a recurring character
1: okay
0: okay we will make a original okay but it is it's 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 one of those those wacky sits of, of Mega City 1 stories mm-hmm. and again it's fine it's it's a pleasant diversion but it's there's not much more than a pleasant diversion yeah and is a pleasant diversion really enough for three chapters Right. Maybe if Greg Staples draws it.
1: Yeah, exactly. If Greg Staples draws it. So so the weird part about 2000 AD is on the one hand, I agree. I think for the most part, it's the the stronger half of the book yet again. And yet the majority of it, I was like, eh, you know, like, because nah, like, we might as well jump back and – We've got... I was going to
0: say we should do the last co- the, the last couple the first couple of stories. Yes, which are you know the Miller written the big hits, which is just terrible. Yeah, yeah, like like even even the two chapters feels over overblown. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it, the plot is is you know there's a judge who's basically possessed by a voodoo person who's a but it's not the voodoo person you think it is, and then they're trying to kill Dread because they're possessed. The end.
1: I okay was, on know, the one, i
0: think it, it reads like miller red like morrison doing the invisibles and all the, the jim crow stuff in there and it was like i can
1: do that for dreads Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay on the one hand it's it is a terrible story um and and i did kind of feel like even the from the first page you're kind of seeing like like, Miller's like, ah, can you guess how I'm going to be racist this way? I don't think so. You're never going to see this one coming. And, but in terms of just a page by page, like, I will say, I personally thought that, that considering it is all of 11 pages and broken over two progs, it, the story moves. It's racist and terrible and ultimately with a really bad ending but in terms of miller kind of getting um at least a little level of like okay i'm going to i'm going to have you i'm going to keep you turning the pages every page is going to have something kind of cool or kind of big on it and and that's going to that's going to keep you moving i really do have to give him credit for that like this i'm not i'm not sure if it's the worst i think it's far from the worst miller dread story oh it is it's yeah. far
0: from the worst no sir but it's also shit oh
1: right exactly exactly like so. I'm,
0: I'm not going to pretend otherwise
1: no 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 no, no, no. and you should not yeah absolutely absolutely
0: but then that's followed up with lonesome dave yes is another wagner extended joke
1: yeah and the joke is the title you guys yes yes yeah there's there's something about someone sitting there and being like seeing lonesome dove come on the tv and misreading it as lonesome dave and being like oh i could i could probably turn that into a story yeah let's have let's have dread fight a you know an outlaw member of the 2000 of the megacity one cowboy club who starts shooting people with real bullets and you know, we'll have a motorcycle chase between a like a motorcycle and a and a robot horse. Like I was like, again, because it's Wagner, there it works. The art is also John Burns, which look it looks really lovely. I think it
0: it it, it does help that Burns just
1: you know does a great job for yeah. It. Absolutely. So it was great. And of course I do I do love the the one panel where Dread calls into control and says, Control, I just got outrun by a robot horse. And then reply is, nice going, Dread. <laughs> just that I thought was great. I always loved the idea that the that dread's ultimate antagonist is control. So whenever whenever it comes up that, that you know control is giving dread shit, I'm I'm there for it. You're so, you're there for it. Yeah. That's always a highlight. So, uh, you know, and then it's followed by He Came From Outer Space, which just, yeah. So, you know. He Came From Outer Space, which, you know, to be polite,
0: feels like an annual story.
1: Right. Exactly. <laughs> it feels
0: like sort of a knockoff, or not even a knockoff, like, but, you know, a, a cast off for an annual. It, it yeah. feels like someone said, John, we just need, like, six pages for this year's 2000 D Sci-Fi Special, and he was like, "Fine, whatever." And then he said, "Oh, we've got a we've got a gap in 2000
1: Just run it there." Completely, completely. I mean, it's it is a six-page story, which has for the most part a double-page spread for the first two. So to call it skimpy, I mean, on the other hand, you know, Wagner doesn't blow it out any further it's a little strange that like the artist was like oh man i really love that jim henson show dinosaurs let's make that the alien like that was again a weird choice but what are you what are you going to do i guess you know well but you also have the the
0: uh the maybe not a weird choice but oh boy does that dread look like uh, a oh
1: yeah that's true That is true, which again, like doesn't necessarily, you know, it's kind of, um, it kind of works, you know? I mean, it's, it's sort of a well-painted story, uh, Wagner. I mean, the great thing about Six Pages is you can't really argue that it overstays its welcome. And, and kind of Wagner being Wagner, the setup, which is an alien diplomat being shuttled back to earth has managed to take control of the ship like the fact that it opens with the ship arriving on earth and him telling people to open fire on the city and them agreeing and just that immediately happening it's a good opening hook like again i think there's a level of craft here honestly
0: Mm -hmm. it's great for the first half of it yeah, and then the second half is <laughs> simultaneously rushed and drawn out.
1: Yeah, right. Exactly.
0: Like, dread gets on board the ship, uh, gets his like respirator knocked off or takes it off. It's unclear because the art is very unclear. Yeah. Then puts it back on. You know, again, it's unclear why. And then, and then they're like, he who was like gassing everyone and making them obedient. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, exactly. Sure. If you say so. So, yeah. It's I mean... very much a, you know, whatever you say, boss. <laughs>
0: so, but it, here's the thing about 2018, zero, which I, I, you know, again, you're right. It's, it's fine,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: it's, it's good fine for one. Of the yes, of
1: no, absolutely. And that's it. It's good fine. Like, I think that for someone who has gotten into, who likes Dread as a character and likes reading stories with Judge Dread in it? They're they're pretty good, you know what I mean? Like they are like. Yeah. It. I'm not necessarily sure if it's very hard for would be the sort of thing where I'd be like, oh my god, you've got to read this, you know? If you're not already a fan of Judge Dread, you know, like there's nothing here that's really like a showstopper or really. Anything that I would, that I think would sell someone who wasn't into the character. But I could see someone reading this stuff in 2000 AD and depending on what the other stories were, being like, yeah, 2000 AD is doing it okay these days. You know, like it just, it's just fine. You know, something happens when I do drugs. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, And you can tell me if you have the same thing. I am reading the case files for the first time, and it seems exhausting and overwhelming Mm -hmm. because they're like 300 pages, and it's like, okay, like, gotta get through this. Gotta get through this. We're doing the podcast, and then on the reread, yeah, I every single week go, I like Judge Dredd. (laughs) I, I really like Judge Dredd. I want to read some more Judge Dredd comics every single time. Huh? Right. And so you get something like this volume where the 2000 stories, again, are fine. They uh-huh. do the job. Uh-huh. They don't, you know, they don't break new ground. They do not wow you. There's nothing in there that's really going to make you go, shit, Judge Dredd's amazing. Right. But they do the job. Uh-huh. And I still was like, yeah, I'm going to read more Judge Dredd, sure. <laughs> Part of that is I know that there's better Dredd, and I'm like, oh, I could read better Dredd. Right. But... It also is fun enough that I was like, "Yeah, I like this. I like reading these comics. Mm-hmm. These comics make me happy." Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I, I say that,
0: and then the magazine stuff is just like, ooh.
1: comics I <laughs> the I, uh, I I feel I'm not sure. I'm I'm really not sure how I feel. Like honestly, I think that. Um... I think that for me, maybe because I'm just such a lazy human being reading 320 pages of comics a week, um, is just going to be exhausting no matter what it is at this point where I'm at in my life. And maybe that means that it, if I were to pace them out a little bit better, like, you know, and start reading two weeks out, maybe that would help. Um, I think, think it's a little bit like like once a month you and I get together again I apologize I I, maybe I didn't have a big enough dinner to keep returning to these kinds of metaphors but I'm like we go to a restaurant once a month and once a month I always tell myself I'm not going to eat too much or I'm going to figure out a better way to pace myself and then I always eat too much and then I always end up feeling a little sick yeah and I'm just a little bit like by the it takes me a month to recover, and then by the time I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of hungry for some Judge Dredd. I'm so glad we're gonna going to be going. Start reading it. them. Yeah. start reading them two weeks
0: out. Yeah, I think I think that's got to be don't it. Don't do it the week before. It, yeah. it makes a difference. I thought you know I've left. I've definitely left them to the last minute in the past as well. Yeah, but um, yeah, I don't know. But again, you know, I, I did. I, I I you know rereading the two thousand and eight stuff. I was like, yeah, I like this 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 is good this works for me and then i i look back at the magazine stuff and i was like oh or maybe not you know
1: i i also think and this may be me as kind of an american but one of the things that is great about dread from the early, kind of from the early days of wagner grant is um more or less kind of a little bit of the draw is all of the is the unique the uniqueness of the setting and dread and and mega city one and everything is relatively quote-unquote unique or it's an acquired taste and there's a level of quality to it but one thing that's both charming about dread and also kind of um potentially underwhelming is sometimes they it all feels kind of slight and deliberately so you know what i mean like they're for me it's unsurprising that for me the the one-two punch of dead man you know followed by necropolis actually the lead-up to dead man then necropolis you're just like holy shit this is stunning you know Kind of has the like, this is the super big, super important, super dread story, you know, of all time. And, you know, but I feel like for the most part, part of dread's fun is like, you don't necessarily know what you're going to get, and you might get a trifle. You know what I mean? Like, there's a certain advent calendar quality to dread, I think. And I think that that. Is on the one hand entirely to its credit, but I think that there's times where it can also, at least for an American comic book reader like me, or a comic book reader trained on the American superhero market, where every storyline has to be bigger and more important than the last storyline, for the most part. Um, And yet, the quality is truly very when everything
0: has to count.
1: Yeah right like there
0: is something about i think you know you purposely get something it's just like eh it's throwaway
1: right yeah and that's that's charming it's super charming when it comes along uh-huh. in the american comics and you're like oh the x men are playing softball this is my favorite kind of issue you know but dreads dread does have little piffles and trifles and it's like here's dread versus you know a cowboy on a robo horse? Like, you know, like it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, And yet it's also, that's part of the draw and part of the appeal. And yet I think that part of the, how do I put it? Like part of the charm is precisely the fact that it's not especially demanding. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if yeah. I'm articulating that well. No, no,
0: no. I, I, I get it. Like there, there is something. It, it, and this really does sound like an insult, and it's not meant to, because it's, it, in my mind, it's a compliment. There is something pleasant about the idea that dread can be fine, and that's success.
1: Yes, absolutely, and certainly after the volumes of, of, of just a lot of dread material stinking up the joint, it, it's. It is, it's a step up, but but it does kind of have that weird feeling. And, and I mean, I think that there's lots of people, once you sort of hop off the American superhero treadmill, there's a certain amount of either amusement or sheer exhaustion at the idea of everything having to be the biggest, most important storyline ever, which means... You know, the status quo is going to get overturned. Someone's going to die or someone's going to go evil. And then at the end of the creator's run, all the toys go back in the box. And then the next writer comes in and tries to figure out who's going to die, who's going to go evil, and how the status quo is going to get overturned and then reset. Um, You know, ultimately, you can look at that with sort of the same sort of fondness or amusement. Because the you know it's just the illusion of change one of the things that's kind of funny about dread is when dread is quote unquote fine um you know as long as there's a level of quality it's 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 a fun read but what's great is then that really sets you up for um when when dread really does bring it and you're like oh holy shit this is You know, just the fact that Dread has two gears, you know, um, that aren't just good and bad, um, but rather just, you know, perfectly cromulent and incredibly awesome uh, is, is really to its credit. But I think also can lull me into a certain amount of, I can, I either just get lazy or kind of apathetic, you know. Yeah,
0: so. there, at this point and maybe this is because we've been doing drog for you know two years now yeah there's something comfort foods-ish about dread as well mm mm-hmm. so that even so. fine dread you know even crumulant dread as you put it yeah it's nice it's good nice oh. feels like such a weird way of putting it yeah but yeah. it is there's, there, there's something where it's like no oh, I, I like and you know there's bad dreads there's certainly bad dreads you know mm-hmm. think mm-hmm. of what we were like when we were the Ennis or the first Miller or stuff or you know again some of the magazine stuff here—it mm-hmm. it feels like bad dread, and that almost feels worse than it deserves. Like I feel like I'm more upset.
1: No, and I get that. I—it it makes sense because I do think that there's a way in. I mean, well, yeah. There's there's a way in which that really makes a huge amount of sense um, because. Because again, I feel like part of the buy in with dread is um is I think because you have not not necessarily lowered standards but kind of i think it i think i think good dread by this point in i don't know it's so complicated it's a low bar to clear, but it's not, or I mean it's just sort of a weird like. Again, I feel like there's just that very strange paradox that we are reading, um, you know, Case Files, volume 26. The majority of it still, the vast majority has been written by John Wagner, you know, the vast majority. And so Wagner's level of quality as a baseline is kind of at the level of like, Like, his phoning it in is way ahead of... Unless he gets a really bad artist on the phone-in story. Like, is better than when some of the new guys are, like, trying to bust their ass, you know? Like, I I was... uh, To jump ahead to the magazine material, I was shocked by how much Warriors by Robbie Morrison with art by Jack Cavella and Andrew Curry felt like it was i literally thought like was this a repurposed newspaper strip like the perhaps because it follows John Smith and Siku's fetish like it it's it's literally like every page turn ends with you know, like the fact that it's got dread on the first two pages beats saying Drock at the bottom of the page I was like oh is, is this the joke is every page going to end with him saying Drock and it doesn't but like every level of it was like wow this is like a this is like a newspaper strip like this literally just has the how dare you westerner you've defiled my temple kind of concept of level of dialogue i i i may be wrong
0: uh, but uh, it's possible that it was repurposed from the All Ages Dread series that was running in 2018. Uh, okay, 2018. there was a, there was an All Ages Dread comic that was launched
1: uh, right with the Judge Dread movie. Right, the Judge yeah. Dread Lawman I, you're thinking of, or something, yeah. or yeah,
0: yeah, Lawman in the Future, I think it was called Lawman I'm, in the Future. I would yeah. not be surprised if it was repurposed from
1: that. That makes a ton of sense. That makes a ton of sense because it's really and you know i jumped over to uh read um throw power overload and the magazine was on you know life support in 1997 it was barely it was right on the verge of being canceled they moved it back to i guess a monthly and i think if i understand correctly from reading the chapters they were reprinting Necropolis in it, like they it was part reprints. They weren't even running full original material in the magazine. Yeah, they were doing. Was, that was
0: the case for a while.
1: Yeah, and they were doing everything they could to to keep it alive. So it wouldn't surprise me if Warriors was like that. Amusingly enough, apparently Fetish was a huge production nightmare, and it's a you know. Spoilers: We haven't talked about it yet. It ends up being a Judge Dredd Devlin Wa crossover, and and apparently there's the Curse of Devlin Wa. Did you know this? Um,
0: Yes, I do. Yeah. Okay,
1: I figured it seemed impossible for you not to, but I just wanted to check. We're reading up on it. Apparently, Fetish went through something like three different artists, like started and bailed on it, and all kinds of nightmares. And of course, as we'll get to it, there, there was the the fact that it managed to reach out and touch you, Graham McMillan in a personal place, um, means that it's, you know, it's still a very active curse, but it, (laughs) you know, all, all of the magazine stuff seemed seen, has the certain taint of compromise of like, you know,
0: it feels, yeah. it, It, I mean, part of it is, all is for all intents purposes, Wagner all the way through. Right, and like I said, bad Wagner is still better than good other people. Yes, yeah, and and so everything that follows in the magazine, it really does suffer in comparison.
1: Yeah, uh, Grant McMillan, so. Good news. I think I think you, well, I was going to say, you get to science, just just summarize all of our um, magazine stories in five minutes and we'll call it an episode. But I don't think that that <laughs> is you really know doing it justice.
0: I, 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 I'm going to do that after a fashion, Jeff. Okay. Just to make your life that little bit easier. Mm-hmm. All the magazine stories that aren't fetish are not good. Uh yeah, there are, uh, there's a web by Robbie Morrison and Sarah Julian there's a view from window by John Wagner and Ian Coveney which is, again is fine but you know only fine there's Warriors as you said by Robbie Morrison and Jack Cavella and Andrew Curry and there's Zero Tolerance by Gordon Rennie and Enrico Bolo uh, beyond the Fetish story Fetish is by far the longest of the stories Fetish yes. is a chunk of comics yep. Um, but those four other stories are slight but also kind of overstuffed and terrible mm. like the web for example is is incredibly packed it's packed in such a way that it feels like two episodes in one which again makes me wonder uh whether these are repurposed from another outlet mm.
1: mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm.
0: it's it's far too busy
1: mm-hmm. and it
0: also doesn't accomplish anything yeah um and, and honestly, view from window is the same. Zero mm-hmm. warriors is the same as well. War, except warriors also has the benefit of being xenophobic. Um, <laughs> yes. It's, I, and uh, zero. I can't even remember zero tolerance. I'm looking up zero tolerance right now.
1: Zero tolerance has the good looking art, but kind of to no real purpose. There's a it the the hook it's is that. It's a is the... killer, right? Yeah, yeah, that, that essentially Dredd and uh, his crew go in on a crime sweep, crime blitz to, on an entire floor. And uh, one of the judges that he's with is arguing with him about the, essentially the efficacy of it. Because Dredd more or less says at the beginning that the that the sector chief wants an increase in crime blitzes um, to make the Basically, juke the stats to make the stats look good. So it starts off as kind of that um, you know judge dread trope of everybody's guilty of something. Um, it but it actually ups it a level because it turns out the one of the people who is not home uh, is a serial killer, and they manage in the course of looking for fake crimes to to well fake by our standards by yeah, very slight for, mega city really crimes. Minor crimes yeah exactly yeah yeah they they um, find a real one so
0: but but again like that again is slight and something we've we've seen before and, and done in such a way as to be you know not only unremarkable but almost one of the things that i think all these four stories have including the wagner one again is that they all feel tiring yeah Mm-hmm. All feel like they would say they're welcome and they all feel slightly exhausting. Yeah. Uh yeah. the the view from Window One by Wagner is, you know, considerably the best. But even that feels overlong and feels obvious.
1: Yeah. It's you it's know? yeah. It's one of those interestingly enough where um, like you said, some of them feel overstuffed. Uh, but Wagner's is one of those where Wagner, being Wagner, like it. You realize he, you know, the longer page count of the magazine stories don't necessarily work in everyone's favor, or necessarily yeah. even anyone's favor, you know. But well,
0: yes, with the one exception, which is fetish. Yes,
1: yeah, absolutely. Fetish is the exception to most of these rules, so. Um I and I'm looking forward to hearing your take about on it, Graham, actually, since you Okay know, so
0: so yeah, let's let's leave it with the other magazine stories all outside are welcome and honestly do not have a particular none of them have something that you go, Well that's a great idea.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: well, Like no. all of them feel like retreads of other material and honestly they all feel I don't want to say annoying, but kind of annoying.
1: Well, I I do want to say Web by by Robbie Morrison, uh, with art by Cyril Julian, is a semi exception because it has Dread, where he is in a city that's essentially a massive network of coral formations that have spread across Indonesia's islands, and so it's a classic Dread. You know, in a new environment, tracking down uh, an important, you know, a, a, a vital MacGuffin for Mega City One. It And it it has a ton of world building on it. And the world building is interesting. It is just, unfortunately, the shell for a completely dull story at its core so i do want to say on the one hand although i agree on the whole with your characterization of all the stories that are not fetish i do want to say that was the one where i was like oh there's a little there's a there's a little little tiny bit of something here where i was like i kind of wish that this were longer or maybe the art wasn't shittier or that morrison gets a chance to return to this setting." Because it seems like he's putting a lot in there. Um, I also do have to say, of the tropes that I'm getting tired of in Dread, the Dread goes to a different city and meets a mysterious badass who, you know, you know, there's like the inevitable badass draw between the two of them, but they might meet again kind of thing. I'm, I'm, I'm really over that as a way of, yeah. So that in particular, I was like, man, you're going to do, you know, it's like, like someone sat down and was like, yeah, you know, I've decided the one thing wrong with the deadly fists of Stanley were, there wasn't enough awesome, you know, hard science fiction world building in it. And I'm like, or the fact that it's the deadly fists of Stanley. I mean, think about it guys. So, (laughs) So that was kind um, of oh, shit. It, it's, I I feel like that's the perfect segue into fetish. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true.
0: Fetish is. Uh, was it the last drop where we had the extended John Smith story that was? But it's actually you know the zombie from City of the Damned. Uh, yes. Yeah, I think that was it. This this one feels like that one done better. Mm. In that it's another extended John Smith story, but I feel like there's more of an idea there yeah oh very Uh, much however Mm -hmm. with that idea comes a couple of things that are problematic yes uh one which is like legitimately problematic and one which is me being snarky the snarky one is uh cq's art is simultaneously wonderful and terrible Mm -hmm. there are parts of it that are just breathtakingly beautiful he's very much in the um busily painting school but only so far as for my money the backgrounds because mm. then you see his characters,
1: and especially his dread,
0: yes. who is a helmet and a chin, yeah. and nothing else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, and honestly, I think that's a detriment. And when Devil of shows up, I think that really comes out, because I think his devil and boss are terrible. Right. And show that he's actually kind of terrible with the human figure. Mm-hmm. In a way that he, I think dreads has enough equipment that he can disguise that. But yeah. then Devilman comes up and is like, okay, so this guy has problems, you know, painting people. Yes. Um, the genuinely problematic thing is, of course, like fetishes. Uh, Loki slash not that Loki racist.
1: Yes. Yeah, it's <laughs> one of the things that is surprising, genuinely surprising, is, is that it looks as if John Smith has done a, A lot of research into African magic systems and yet never read a book about Africa. So a lot of the most reductive kind of harmful stereotypes are not only regurgitated wholesale, but just the same sort of embarrassing, like Africa is a monochromatic whole you know oh, okay. it's not a continent i I will put this
0: in two words for people who haven't read this Simba
1: city, yeah exactly you get you get Simba City, and yet there's clearly elements where, for example um you know as dread and his companions make their way um Closer and closer to their antagonist, they go through a tour of Africa that feels as if someone has read, um, I don't know, Heroes for Hunger, uh, maybe a couple of times or something. Like, or, like there was a, there's a little bit where it's like they come across a bunch of landmine victims, and it simultaneously. It, it is it is a a, a very particular brand of um, I think John Smith is very ahead of his time in the sense of this story written in 1997 feels very much the epitome of someone who writes their story by doing their research off the Internet for half an Internet afternoon. You know what I mean? I,
0: Smith's also very ahead of his time, I think. In that this story, feels like it could be a like Wildstorm comic from two
1: thousand four. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: and with the compliment and insult that implies, I mm-hmm. think
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know both at once. Yeah. It is a uh, like many John Smith stories. To be honest, it is a very simple idea. That is extended to almost comedic proportions. Yes. You know, there's a fetishistic item that uh, comes into Mega City 1. It possesses two judges and Dread has to go to discover the person who sent it. That's your plot. Right. It takes... I mean, uh, how many pages is fetish?
1: It... It feels I, I it like, yeah it it what, feels man? huge. I think it says something about it where, and it's kind of a compliment. It is. It's it's, it's uh it's just sort of uh, ninety pages. It's ninety pages. It is a dread crossover story with Devlin and Waugh, and I don't think Devlin Waugh shows up until the halfway mark, if that. If, Maybe if it's two thirds. Not later. Yeah. It may be 60 pages before he pops up. So, in that sense, it's genuinely surprising because you're like, you know, didn't see oh, yeah, that one coming because it would have yeah, happened. He,
0: com- he comes out of nowhere and also, for that matter, yeah. does nothing once he arrives. Right. Like, like, he achieves nothing once he gets there, uh, which is kind of in keeping with Devlin Wall. <laughs> and I say that as a fan of Devlin Wall, but, you know, even if you look back at the first Devlin Wall story, he doesn't actually do anything for, like, the first two-thirds of the story. Mm. He pontificates, and he's
1: very charming. But right. in
0: terms of his actual impact on the plot, it's minimal. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah, yeah. I, this is my first Devlin Waugh story, I have to say. I've never read the character before. I'm curious. What do you make of him from this story alone? From this story alone, one of the things that I think is hilarious is that... um. If you are a fan of the character, I can see how it is a terrible appearance of the character. If it is your first exposure to the character, it is kind of delightful and makes you want to see more about the character. Because I think one of the things that is... You know, we were talking a little bit about, you know, in talking about Wagner's hot dog run story... um, how much it kind of has a a little bit of everything layered into it. Um, one of the things that is... that why I ended up walking out kind of a fan is by the time Devlin wash shows up, the story has gotten so dark um, and grim that he is... I mean, to put, to say he's a breath of a fresh air is kind of an understatement. And so I think it really ends up opening the story. It's a great, it, to me, it was a great introduction to the character.
0: I, it helps considerably because Dredd and whatever his, his the local judge who's been assigned
1: to. Judge to Shaka, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, are both uh, pointedly humorless. Yes, and then Devlin comes in and Devlin is, you know, Archley Camp. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that is that is just a, a very easy and successful uh, comparison to make. Yes. Right. Like yeah. you bring in that you bring in that different tone. And it is like a breath of fresh air. It, it's it's a gift. Mm-hmm. because never mind the fact that you know at this point it's been like 30 pages of, of Shaka and Dread going, oh, it's so difficult to travel through the desert. People are dying. You have a ticking clock. Everything is dying. People will die. Death will happen. We have miles to go. <laughs> and then you show the up with a parasol and be like, I'm a vampire, and sure, I know some, you know, some magic,
1: but I've also made you some tea. Right. Yeah. No, totally, totally. Just I mean, I think I think that part and weirdly I think one of the things that is also surprising and I'm not sure uh, I can see again why Devlin Wa fans would not really like the character because the character barely seems um, I mean, he's just, as is the case with a lot of the figures, thanks to Sugu's storytelling, he's really just kind of a shape. But because, in part because he's he is a breath of fresh air, the other thing that's nice is by having him jump in and then more or less make noises, like he too is intimidated by the th- the threat it kind of made the threat seem um darker to me you know yeah, yeah. and i think that that is i think to me that's a really impressive accomplishment because i think there's so many times where you throw in your comic relief or you throw in a little bit of um uh of fresh air into the narrative and then essentially it all just kind of deflates Um, whereas I think Waz humor really does do a great job of making all the grim stuff more grim. Like just when you were getting tired of it, like all of a sudden it's kind of like, oh, well, if the gay vampire exorcist is actually intimidated by this guy, then this villain really is very creepy.
0: Yeah, exactly. He's got to be a big deal if this other character He's yeah. just appeared and it has experience it with the supernatural is also kind of shitting himself.
1: Yeah, exactly. Especially because that's not a character that really shits himself, at least as you know, on any of the other pages, he's just absolutely, you know, unflappable about anything other than the fact that his car is going to get destroyed. Um, so yeah, no, I think, you know, I think it's interesting. It's such a, I was I was curious. I assumed that you would end up really hating fetish because, to me, it's a a story that somehow manages to work despite itself. Which is to say, Smith's um, weaknesses as a, as a writer and especially uh, Siku's. Weaknesses as an artist um are to 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 call them considerable is to overstate it, but they're more than minor. You know what oh, I yeah. mean?
0: Oh yeah, no, and they're and they're very present in this sort. Yes, exactly. You know I mean? But we say that, but I also think that this is again. I think this is smith doing a more successful version of what he was doing in that last story on luna one well right i I think Mm -hmm. the the lyricism and the overbearing captions work here in a way that they didn't work before i think that the uh, oblique and overly complicated storytelling works here in a way that it didn't work in that last one yeah i think that bringing in what he manages to play with tone better, I think that it manages to exist. I mean, more or less within its own bubble. Yes, Devil Mo shows up, but by the fact you know, as proven by the fact you've never read a Devil Mo story before, like that doesn't derail anything. No, uh, it, I I feel like it all. I feel like it does all work in a way that the last one didn't really. Mm. You're, you're right. Like Sequel's art is, it really is part like it is simultaneously shit and wonderful. Yeah. You know because he really does have major flaws as an artist. Um and as as I was telling you before reading this digitally, reading this as a PDF and reading this as as I do you don't but I read them as single page PDFs, it's actually impossible. Because so much of the story's double page spreads that I had to go to a devil and War collection I had, I had uh, a print devil and War collection I had right that had fetish in it. It was the only way I could get through the story. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and of the double page spreads, almost none of them needed to be double page spreads. Like, well, he's such a...
1: I would disagree on that, actually. But sure. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm
0: so unconvinced by that, but okay. Um but it it shows for me at least how um self indulgent Siku is, and again, sometimes that works, right, but there are other times where not only does it not work, it's actually in conflict with with everything else that the story's trying to do It's visually a mess, but you know again, there are times where it like it's lovely. <laughs>
1: Okay, so so I'm going to step in and play devil's advocate here. Because one of the things that I actually think that was shocking to me is... Uh, so, I don't remember if this was happening when you and I were talking on air. But, like, Fetish was apparently in the works for a long, long time. In fact, this is a relatively early appearance for WAP, But it is... Something like seven years after the it's, character it's, last yeah, appeared.
0: It is. Devin, no, it's like five years, I think. I think Devon Walker
1: Spears. Five years, like, yeah.
0: 1992.
1: Yeah, right. So while apparently Appears is hugely popular, this story was planned and more or less takes five years to get done. Um. Ah, who's the first artist who was on it and then dropped out? And then they get Ashley Wood in it on it and then he drops out and finally Siku comes in and and does the whole thing. And I think it to me that's incredibly edifying because Siku reminds me in a lot of ways of Ashley Wood, you know, they both um play with paint. They both seem to um are very aware of the Sienkiewicz influence behind Bisley, and I think move back and draw on it quite heavily. Um, But I I genuinely like Siku's stuff more, and some of that is... And a lot of that actually is with the double-page spreads that are here. As you mentioned, you read them in single pages. I use... um, is it sidebooks which is a great iPad app that is very I think it's basically free if for anyone who's looking for a good PDF reader for reading double page spreads and and or manga if you need to flip things um because uh siku is not a good illustrator of the human body um you, that would or could or should create a lot of problems in terms of his 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 storytelling sh- would be static if it wasn't for the fact that he plays with panel shapes on the page to create and break the dynamicism that you're used to using by following the lines on the page, I think. So a lot of the double page spreads here serve the purpose of, of basically breaking the time structure, the way that your eye stops and starts and reads the panels uh, as the story progresses through it actually does accomplishes a lot I think and some of the panels that seem like um you know this is 97 this is before Warren Ellis really sells everyone on widescreen comics comics, (laughs) right so you've got widescreen comics which is him being like yeah you basically have like an unbroken panel from page to you know across the page to create a sense of scope here you have page after page of double page widescreen spreads. And sometimes with this, with the art, like things being rammed into their most abstract sense. And yet because of the way that the panels are arranged, there's a sense of scope and there's a sense of, of speed to things and to, Particularly towards the end, for me, the climax, which cross cuts between Wah and Dread fighting their way into dealing with the, the evil witch doctor um, and cutting back with the possessed judge's um, incubus slash fetish demon beginning to materialize on reality. Is something that. Because it cuts so. Um, it cross cuts between them. So constantly. It. It it has. It creates its own feeling of tension. So in other words. Smith's sort of scattered tendency. Particularly in this story. To jump drastically between scenes. As that moves towards the climax. And they start doing that. To more. To um, more. Deliberate effect. I felt like it really upped the tension a lot. So a lot of these pages really worked better for me than any sort of painted style guy who doesn't know anatomy um, normally would sell me on. Sure, yeah, you know? yeah,
0: no, I, I, yeah, I get that painted style guy who doesn't know anatomy. That's uh, <laughs> apt and also feels. Like very cutting
1: yes, well, because it is there's a lot of like this is some very very um you know, who is it who you know says that style is a way of is is basically your mistakes made manifest or something you know like there's there's something with Siku where where yeah, this stuff, really should not work by this point at volume 26 we've been through a ton of bisley imitators and seen far less effective painted work for this you oh know? yeah no
0: no no it's true it's true so is yeah. simultaneously like bisley imitator and yet not yes yeah like there is a lot there's a lot of business in there and you know like bisley there's a lot of faceta as well as you know, looking at Sienkiewicz and, and other things. Well,
1: is a good but, call, yeah.
0: You know, but there's there's something else as well. A, a level of ridiculousness. There's a level of cartoonishness. There's a yeah. level of abstraction mm-hmm. um, that I think works to his benefits, even as it sort of, you know, confirms his worst impulses.
1: Yeah, yeah there's there's yeah whereas for me there's a couple of pages that really fall apart there's like a two-page spread that has um them all fighting like the hordes of zombies or whatever and like dread fires an incendiary and it's set as an inset panel across this sort of two-page spread doesn't work like literally active cuts um cuts against what they're doing but yeah, and, and honestly a lot of double page
0: spreads i have a problem with because i think that the panel order
1: mm-hmm. is
0: unclear and so it's really easy to get lost yes i i th- I, I agree I, I really mm-hmm. think that you know the, the double page spreads do not work in the story's favor i completely understand what you're saying mm-hmm. but for me the double page spreads for the most part were more
1: confusing and more indulgent than anything else. There, there's points where they're indulgent. There are also points where um, he is like he commits to the bit. But yeah, he's got elements where he's like, yeah, this has got to be a double page spread. But I don't have an element to fill in the lower left or lower right quadrant. And so I'm just going to stick something in there and hope that it looks cool. And that really sucks. Like there's a few times where there's there's more than a few sequences that just really do kind of fall flat on their face. But honestly, I was surprised that as much of it worked as it did. Um, and sort of like, and weirdly in a way that also feels very sort of, this is going to sound strange, but kind of classic 2000 AD. Like, you know how, like, really, really early Dread stories would be, like, every page had kind of, like, of su- had to have a super strong design element because so much was being jammed into it. But, like, sometimes you'd have, like, the strong central figure or close-up and then the variety of other panels around it, kind of, to kind yeah, of have yeah. that breakout moment i feel like siku is doing that on a lot of these with the double page you know what i mean so you kind of get a panel that starts in the lower left hand corner of of page one and then moves to a full page spread on page two that's really nice or you'll get a um i love that one shot where it's two different locations but it's like at two different times of day, but you've got birds flying in the panel across the two pages. And Mm -hmm. so by the time you, you know, the shift is, it follows the birds. And of course, by the time you get to the second page, it's a completely different setting and time of day. And that's where they've moved to like very, a lot of stuff that I really thought was surprisingly good, considering there was so much stuff that was, Kind of surprisingly inept was kind of bullshit. Like really, it does feel like a bullshit artist, but one who sells a lot of it. Before
0: we we you know get off the subject of fetish, and I think we should because I, I think we're we're yeah sorry I'm just babbling in the ground. Mm-hmm. I do want to say that um, talking about bullshit, I do love that it is a supernatural story that ends up with Judge Dredd literally punching the dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It is a supernatural story about a fetish that is, uh, you know, causing – it might go to kill someone in Mega City One and, you know, it's all supernatural and forces no one can comprehend. And it is literally defeated by uh, Judge just being like, I am the hardest man there is and punching the dude behind it. Yeah. that That's it.
1: Well, you know, it's – that sort of. Sort of in a weird way that kind of sucks. Like, it's funny you mention that because when you reread the story, there's a point where – um Dread comes to Africa, I think maybe when he shows up in Simba City, and you cut to the evil witch doctor sort of smiling and going, ah, the eagle has landed. And you're like, oh shit, is this supposed to be a trap for Dread? Has the whole thing been a big trap? Well, no, it hasn't. But, and this is the part that also kind of sucks, is Dread shows up and is more or less kind of on the verge of getting his ass kicked and then is able to manifest the spirit of the eagle fetish his animal totem the white man spirit of the eagle um allows him to basically manifest and and then kick this dude's ass and it's um it's kind of a cheesy factor it's super cheesy it's super cheesy and spoiled by the fact that the witch doctor makes that little comment and then is completely shocked when he's caught off guard when this happens you know admittedly 30 or 40 pages later so maybe he like john smith and the editors weren't paying attention but um though it's funny that you mentioned the thing that struck me during that sequence is it it ends with a page where kind of like you know, dread bait saying this is what you want, eat it. And he literally jams the fetish into well, yeah.
0: It it actually ends on the next page. That's my point. John yeah, it says mm-hmm. white man's spirit is what won out. Which again, let's talk about the racism. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Holy shit!
0: Yeah. Again, no. Uh, sure, the nineties were a different time. But no one thought that that was a bad idea to put that light in?
1: Well, I mean that's that. I mean that's the problem. The nineties weren't necessarily a different time. I mean, you know, like the like they we didn't. We didn't quote unquote know better. No, it was because racism was acceptable then and it's acceptable now. And it's, you want to believe that it's less acceptable now, but like four years from now, five years and now, somebody's going to look back and be like, wow, I can't believe that they did that. That was really fucked up and racist. Like, like I want to do, I do want to cut John Smith um, some, some, uh, a break because, You know, but unfortunately the break is is that he was living in a racist culture and people were totally okay with being racist. And especially when you move into pulp, like, the racism moves to the forefront. Anything that you do is going to be, you know, like... Oh, I've got an idea. It's going to be Judge Dredd versus a witch doctor. And it's going to have like all these really great juxtapositions of, which I kind of liked the man being trampled to death by zebras in the opening page with the zebras running through mega city one somehow it was super evocative in my brain, despite Siku, you know, hinting at it without really showing it. Um is great. But but yeah, of course that's going to turn out racist and you're going to end up leaning into like, oh, here's the spirit of the white man. And considering how much the previous Smith Dread stories were kind of about, uh, well, let's put it this way. It makes sense that this was a story that was five years in the making because I really feel that the previous Dread story was a very coded, like, Here's the charms of Dread, but here's also why he's an undead zombie, you know. And here it's kind of like, oh, like it's printed in 97, maybe it was written in 92, 93. But still has a little bit of that, like, oh, dread's great because he's, you know, he's white man civilization. And that's that's a good thing, you know. And sadly, 97, you still have a lot of people, some of whom hold really prestigious teaching jobs in American institutions still saying that shit. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Um, I don't know. I want to, I want to simultaneously let him off this, the hook while keeping I'm us as a, let him off the well, ship. kind of and keeping us as a culture on, on the hook.
0: Yeah. So. I, I, but it's just, you know, for, for a story where, where there are things like Simba city and you're like, Oh shit. Right. Uh, and you know you're like, but it's but he means well. You know, I I don't you know it, again. It's the culture. It's not him. When you get to the end and he says "white man's spirit," right? There really is that moment of like, oh no, right, nope. right, right. Yeah, nope, 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 nope. Yeah, no.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Just yeah, yeah. Anyway, let's let's let that be the last word. <laughs> <laughs> Oh uh, Jeff, we've gone on quite a bit this week. Yeah, we this, we have, this yeah. This is a long one for us. Um, okay. Uh Drock or, or Dross. I think I'm
1: gonna go with Drock. I'm gonna go with Drock, yeah.
0: Yeah, I have too. I and again, it's it's all fine. It's not like there's anything special or revelatory here, but right. but I like it.
1: Yeah, I, exactly. And I think as I said, like in the beginning when we started doing this, there you know, you before we fine tuned the Drock or dross there would be a little bit of the is this the first volume that you would handle and hand a new judge dread reader and i would say no on that oh yeah this is
0: definitely yeah this is definitely not
1: yeah it. yeah this you is have to,
0: you have to not only know dread but honestly like dread
1: absolutely absolutely i i do feel like um one thing that i should mention is is that lonesome dave had the, has the return characters and even the return gags from Wagner. That bar that Wagner likes, you know, um, the nice bar or whatever it's called. The 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 quite nice bar. Oh shit! Yes, and yes. and and all of those characters on those first two pages have appeared in a story before. In and in fact, the whole like um, dread asking the woman. If he she recognizes the perpetrator and her saying like that's very kind, I'll have a small sherry. I'm like I love the fact that 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 Wagner brings all those characters back and the exact same joke. the The hard of hearing woman who asks, you know, is asked what she saw. Just wanted to throw it out there.
0: I I'd completely forgotten about that.
1: Um, Favorite story for this volume. Oh gosh, ooh, um, you know, it's gonna sound—it's not gonna sound surprising. It's gonna be fetish, actually. I think I think fetish is—I—I uh, I would have bet money going into it that it would have been the hunting party slash shark country, but yeah, it just didn't. It was diminishing returns. Fetish is its own weird thing that I really appreciated
0: reading. Jeff likes the racism. I'm going for <laughs> trail and eaters. Uh, even with the, the dodginess of it. If only because honestly Henry Flint, honestly I might even go for Dance of the Spider Queen because the Henry Flint art there is really good. Yeah, it's
1: really good. Dance of the Spider Queen. The story queen.
0: there is kind of bonkers. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it is. It's it's a totally, like Henry Flint is the one that wins me over for this. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I might have gone for Lonesome Dave because again John, John Burns art. Really
1: John Burns art's great and honestly I feel like Lost in Americana is a great kind of does everything that it's supposed to? Dread story. Like honestly, yeah, I thought yeah, I thought yeah, that it worked really, does. really and
0: again, well. art is really good there as well. Yeah, it's true. All of the stories I like here are art based. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like when I when I go for picking my favorites, I'm like, oh, I mean, if the hunting party had been drawn by Flint, oh man, because I think hunting party is probably the best Wagner script in the book. Yeah,
1: I think that's true.
0: It's Sean um, Phillips you know,
1: art that, too, which is kind of funny yeah, in a way. I, I it's. Fine. It's fine. No, 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 no. I know. I like Phillips's I like Phillips' art. It's okay. It's not it's... Do you like Phillips'
0: art at that point of his career though, where it was like 'cause that was roughly the same era where he's drawing like the Minks and stuff. And he, it's very simple and
1: blocky. Yeah. I'm I'm okay with it. I mean, it's no John Burns, you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. it's no Greg Staples. Like he's not cracking the top five Artists. Maybe he's cracking the top five artists uh, in this volume, but he's nowhere near the top three, you know. Um, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. It's not exceptional. Absolutely. If it had been, I can think of four other people off of the top of my head that I would have wished had drawn it. But honestly, The Hunting Party has a, as a very basic level story that sets the characters in. Honestly, I think if you look at it, I'm, you'd be like, "Yeah, it's pretty, pretty strong." I feel it's it, but yeah, no, it's not the it's not Phillips's best work, and it's not the best art in the volume.
0: No, but it has again. It might be Wagner's
1: strongest script here. Yes, um, I do think that's worst, a good point.
0: What's the worst? story here. Oh Jesus!
1: I mean, is it anything other than Miller's "The Big Hit"? I mean, it, if it's not the big hit, it may well be. I really didn't – I mean, I really didn't like Camp Demento at all. I really – I thought he came from outer space is – I mean, that's it. I feel like the big hit well, is – Like, it's
0: not Warriors? Uh,
1: no. I mean, Warriors is pretty, is pretty bad, I got to say, but – and racist. But apparently that's not a problem for Jeff. Thanks, Graham. Um – I don't know. I don't know, man. It's it's really, it's a tough... We so did put, totally pass over the
0: racism of Warriors. Let's just say that Warriors is more like Hondo City bullshit. Which yeah, is, exactly. Like, I, I know that there was a Hondo City spin, spin-off in the magazine, and maybe that is less absolutely racist than every Hondo City story that's in the actual Dreadstrip, but every time Hondo City shows up in the Dreadstrip, it feels yeah. just breathed. It, it's ill-chosen. just a cringe.
1: Yeah, um... You know, I, I got to tell you, this is going to be maybe a weird... I'm I'm kind of tempted to say a view from a window. Uh, because, because Wagner's script is kind of drawn out. Because which we, we know
0: Wagner could do better. Yeah, exactly.
1: And also, I think the art is pretty... It's yeah, it's unexceptional. So I, th- I think, honestly... Everything else had various levels of like, oh, that story was crap, but it was only six pages and the art was okay, to I kind of like the art on the big hit, Um, even though it is, I would say, you know, the worst script and arguably the most racist. Is that going to be our future, Graham, where we have to, like, not only pick out the best and worst story, story, story. but yeah, which is the most racist story.
0: It, It is. The odd thing is I feel like Dread in the nineties is more racist. Yes. Which is kind of stunning when you think about honestly things that appeared in the seventies and eighties. But I do feel that Dreadman in the nineties is more casually and
1: boldly racist. Well, I think I think as you mentioned the the you know, the nineties the the lad mags and everything else. I think. I think ironic racism was really on the rise in the nineties. You know, yeah. there was a yeah. lot of
0: ironic racism.
1: Yeah, exactly. Which is which is just racism, but it's like racism in a wink. Oh, can't you take a joke? And therefore, it gets really accelerated. You know, whereas yeah, I yeah, feel
0: it's, it's far more insidious for that
1: reason. Yes, exactly. So. But yeah, so as a consequence, it is, it's is—it's more dynamically racist. It's leaning into it in a way that's, that is is really depressing, <laughs> frankly. Well, I'd to,
0: on that bombshell, I think, I think it's time to wrap it up for a while. Next, um, Drock. Uh, we're going to be doing Case Files twenty-seven. Which Jeff, do you know what is in Case Files twenty-seven?
1: I do not know what's in Case Files twenty-seven.
0: Predator Judge Dread. Ooh,
1: well, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I
0: mean... <laughs> that's exactly the right attitude. <laughs> Ooh, well, <wow. laughs> um, show notes for this up on Monday at WaitwellPodcast dot com. In the meantime, there is an Instagram at Instagram dot com for slash what podcast we have a Twitter account at wait what podcast and we have uh, sorry Jeff has a Twitter account at lazy it at l a z y b a s t i d and I have a Twitter account at Graham M G R A E M E M this is a Patreon supported podcast and exists because of Patreon so Jeff Tell the people what they've
1: won. Well, guys, you've won this podcast. You've actually also won Baxter Building, our read-through of the first 416 issues of the fan- Volume 1 of the Fantastic Four, uh, which um, is all done and will never be coming back again ever, he says, strangely, out but of de- nowhere. De-
0: def- yeah, definitely won't be coming back
1: again anytime soon. No. No. That's not happening. Anyway, we're super grateful. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) We're super grateful for your guys' ongoing uh, support, listening to us, throwing in some amazingly smart and apt comments, uh, occasionally poking us on Twitter, Um, and the people on Patreon who do those things or don't do those things, but also, importantly, throw us a little bit of their hard-earned DOSH, which is so appreciated and um like i said it inspires us to do things like drock and baxter building and who knows what's coming down around the corner but um we want to thank you for that we want to give a special shout out to empress audrey queen of the galaxy for her ongoing support of this podcast of our little neck of the Celestial Rome and this planet we call Earth. I always want to do it like Lorne Green at the end of Battlestar Galactica, by the way. You know, like, all planet called
0: Earth.
1: <laughs> Your music was better than my Lorne Green. By far. By far. Anyway, um... Graham, do you have other things to interject? Or since I, since it's a DROC, should I just, just go the whole nine yards uh, you and close should it sing us
0: out Because honestly, we are doing a long episode this time, and that's not intentional. <laughs> I
1: know, and I apologize. I'm not sure it's as long, but me saying that only makes it longer, literally. So instead, let me just say, drock, you're under arrest, citizen. Report to the cubes, and we'll see you in 30.